In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. St. Francis de Sales is known to be not only the doctor of the love of God, but also patron saint of Catholic communication and a model for education. These two other qualities of our saint gave rise to many other great disciples of his spirituality and many great educators. As it is this particular aspect of our saint, which I would like to consider with you tonight, as his incredible skills in the education of people is quite foreign to many. If St. Francis has or had the genius to make spiritual life and holiness a matter of everyone's affair and concern, and not just something good for priests, religious, sisters, as it was considered by many at his time. If he was able to present the heights of spiritual life and the easiness with which anyone can reach to his heights, it is because he had a profound understanding of human nature, of human psychology, and was able at the very source of all spiritual progress, first to form good and true men before forming saints, good and true women, good fathers, good husbands, good mothers and wives, good priests and religious, and later great saints. And I would like to direct our attention to one of his most faithful disciples who lived a few centuries after him of a simple family of farmers who was left without a father at the age of two, who was ordained at the age of 26, who deeply interiorized his spirituality and was able to apply it in a wonderful way to youth in particular as a solid foundation for the reformation of culture and the sanctification of families and society at large, and who founded the Salesian, Order, Salesian Sisters Order, one of the largest religious congregation of women, Saint Giovanni Melchior, better known as Don Bosco, whose feast day will be in two days. The fundamental mission of men, whatever his or her state in life is, consists, as we teach our children, in knowing, loving, and serving God. And to fulfill this vocation, four essential pillars are necessary, in my opinion, and when looking at the example and teaching of Don Bosco. Four pillars or four qualities to hold the whole edifice of good Catholic education. Love for grandeur, coupled with love for the truth. Practice of firmness, coupled with the practice of gentleness. And you can already see how difficult it is to maintain the right balance when building up the virtuous edifice in youth, and how easily it can also collapse 
if that delicate balance is not carefully adjusted. So first, love for grandeur, love for great ideals, which in an excessive way could lead to profound dissolutions and mirages in projecting oneself in a superficial, artificial world deprived of any solid foundations. And on the other side, love for the truth, which can also lead to em embracing false truth, ideologies that have the appearance of truth, especially when endorsed and promoted by the majority. As St. Paul warned St. Timothy already, there will come a time when they will not endure the sound doctrine, but having itching ears will heat up to themselves, teachers according to their lusts, and they will turn away their earring from the truth and turn aside rather to fables. Love for grandeur, love for great ideals. Present to your children and even to yourself great ideals, great goals. Have a deep love for grandeur. As the poet put it, whether 60 or 16, there is in every human being's heart the lure of wonder, the unfailing childlike appetite of what's next, and the joy of the game of living. And history of human life has plenty of examples of great figures, not only saints, obviously, but great men and women who have given to civilization powerful helps for our own imagination and our capacity to wonder, to dream, in a Christian sense, to hope. Everyone, or I would like to say everyone, but most people at some point in our youth particularly have desired, for instance, to get married, to get rich one day, to have children maybe, to have a great career, a holy family, to help the poor, to serve God, and so on. All these great ideals also require, and this is the key element here, to make choices. Unfortunately, the internet and artificial intelligence era today present to us fictitious, superficial, too often godless ideals and models, constantly, repeatedly, obnoxiously, promising happiness, fame, glory, and peace, when the limits of these promises are quickly encountered at the closing of our internet browser at a simple finger click. To fulfill one's vocation, as we said, requires to make choices, to have the courage to make choices. Priests then and parents are also there to remind young people that leaving too many doors open is to take the risk never to make the step forward to enter one of these doors. And the sacraments, prayer life, love for the practice of virtue are so many efficient tools to strengthen our willpower and to enlighten our intelligence to correspond more and more to the will of God. 
and to the vocation He has chosen for us. And this is where the second aspect mentioned in the introduction enters into play. Love for the truth. A great Catholic educator of the 20th century once said, the truth spreads like fire, but it only spreads in a heart that desires it. Today's ambient relativism is probably the first enemy of truth. And there are two ways to counterattack these errors or false ideologies today. First, in a negative way, by refuting these errors, by forming our youth in the understanding and defense of this truth. And second, in a positive way, by fostering in them a certain wonder, a deep attraction for the truth, which they are called to discover, to contemplate, and to serve. And this is deeply rooted in our very own nature, this contemplation of the truth, desire for contemplation. So why a right to contemplation would be denied to those seeking the truth in a culture or in a society that present itself as the forerunner and defender of freedom? Why denying then this right to contemplation? The inner appetite in us for the truth, the beautiful, and the good should be developed in our youth in presenting to them objects that reflect these interchangeable essential qualities of being. Again, the truth, the beautiful, the good, where one cannot go without the other whether it be in our speech, in our actions, in everything we do, even in the simple fact of a clean and neat house, in the teaching of the simple values of respect, of politeness, in the many forms of beauty we can display around them, in our homes, in our entourage, and of course, on the other hand, protecting them from a culture of lie, death, ugliness, hatred, and so on. Our first duty, wrote a Dominican priest then, must be to make contemplatives, contemplatives, to help the young see the real world, to see the world, the real world in itself, which implies seeing the world in God, and God in the world. Exercise or practice firmness. Be firm, which is our third pillar, coupled with gentleness. St. Paul told his fellow brethren, the Ephesians, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and correction of the Lord and elsewhere. He says, Reprove and treat rebuke with all patience and teaching. Excessive lenity or excessive lack of correction will lead children to forget the consequences of original sin and of their own sins and mistakes. 
which will have terrible consequences and a complete then incapacity to recognize their failures, to be accountable for their actions and to amend their lives. This general attitude of indulging in excessive mercy with no idea of justice will end up in profound failures in education. Being firm, strict on the principles and rules established in the home implies, of course, to be ourselves examples of obedience, generosity, humility, you name them, all the virtues, so as to not have the shameful inference of being told one day, you ask me to do this or that, but you don't even do it yourself. You punished me for this or for that, but you do it yourself and the like. How many young people today rebel against any form of authority because they have not found in their homes, particularly at an early age, any form of authority or submission or obedience to the authority. A paternal authority and a maternal submission. But only once again, if the head of the family tries to protect and defend the common good with justice and compassion, and not just for his own selfish interests. Only so will the mother and wife then, hearts of the family, be willing to follow his lead and will try to make herself more lovable to her husband. Following the method of St. Francis de Sales, according to which it is better to love obedience more than to fear disobedience. And finally, practice gentleness. Love has neither convicts nor slaves, but brings all things under its obedience with a force so delightful that as nothing is so strong as love, nothing also is so sweet as its strength. This is what is known as the preventive method of Don Bosco, opposed to the repressive method. It is essential to make them love and cherish the practice of virtue by encouraging them to practice virtue every day and with perseverance and courage. But once again, how can one follow this example if he does not even receive this example from his parents? In the practice of virtue, the love of virtue. Which again does not mean that our saint is opposed to any kind of discipline. Far from that, he actually talks about it quite regularly to help in the practice of this method, the saint recommends to put children in the material impossibility to sin, in keeping away from them occasions of sin, bad media, bad friends, bad readings, bad conversations. We do not force human wills, says Don Bosco. We win them by gentle insinuations, we gently knock at the doors of hearts. We gently press the opening. So one might argue, and I hear you already, is this gentle method realistic? 
First, I want to make sure it is well understood that this method does not, once again, suppress any forms of corrections, rebukes, and punishments. No. And my previous point makes it clear. However, once again, our saint gives the answer. Go to young people with all your heart. Tell them that you love them. Without trust, no education. And without affection, no confidence. So Don Bosco noticed that his children were in profound lack of love. Remember, most of them were orphans, broken families. So profound lack of love, of recognition, and lack of models to imitate. And so our saint's educator promises them all of that. He seems to tell them, do whatever you need to do. Do what I am teaching you in order to receive my trust back and all my affection back. The educator must strive to make himself loved by his students, he says, if he wants to be feared. When he has arrived to that point, and this is the key element here, when he has arrived to that point, the suppression of the slightest sign of benevolence, of attention and affection, becomes for them a punishment. Make yourself loved, so that the heaviest punishment of, for your disciples is the suspension of this friendship to which they value so much. How demanding then for parents, priests, teachers, educators in general, because this implies to be exemplary ourselves and at all times to prevent their possible failings, to defer a punishment, to entrust them with responsibilities, and to avoid being excessively demanding on unimportant things. And so, my dear parents, dear friends, with these tools in hand, following in the footsteps of these great two saints, we can expect to reform our lives, to develop good qualities and virtues in our children, and slowly but surely reform our families, restore order and peace in our families, in our entourage, and in a subtle but powerful way, spread the love of God around us. And St. Francis concludes for us in the beautiful prayer that closes his treatise on the love of God. Ah, come, Holy Spirit, and inflames our hearts with thy love. To love or to die, to die and to love. To die to all other love in order to live to Jesus' love. That we may not die eternally, but that living in thy eternal love, O Savior of our souls, we may eternally sing, Vive Jésus. I love Jesus. Live Jesus, whom I love. I love Jesus, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.